Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, let us always be mindful and thankful of the fact that you are a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You are the one that comforts and guides us through this life. And yet, Lord, you are our Savior and our King. Lord, we ask that we would serve you here tonight. We would learn more from your word and be challenged to act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. All right. Uh, Tonight, again, uh, not a major outline, but kind of connecting the last uh, several weeks uh, sermons. And so uh, I just want to go over uh, very briefly the uh, uh, some of the content of the last two week sermons we've been dealing with just some some of the more difficult passages in the Bible uh, we dealt with the idea of yoke Jesus said take my yoke upon you and learn of me and then uh, the passage in Luke where, where Jesus said, if any man's going to follow me, he must first hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children, yea, and his own life also. And of course, uh, we uh, understand what Jesus is simply saying there is everything that is in our area of control, everything that we could desire everything that we can make things happen, we must discard. We must get away. Paul said, and did count it but dung, that I may win Christ. These are some of the struggles of the Christian life. And yet, the purpose of the Christian life, the main reason why Jesus has left us here, Acts 1.8, but ye shall be witnesses. Now, you know, sometimes it's hard to be the kind of witness we need to be when we're struggling to get rid of ourselves and all of the things that we desperately hold on to that keep us back and and we struggle with those things. Sometimes people uh, accuse True Bible-believing Christians of being uh, baptized in lemon juice and weaned on a dill pickle. I think I heard a preacher say that more than once. And uh, uh, that uh, we, we seem to be very serious. And, and yet, where does our joy come from? Does not our joy come from finding that surrender to Jesus Christ, the And so, what I want us to do tonight is just uh, go through several of these passages and add several others to them. And uh, Brother Zach said, what's the title for the computer? And I said, I have to keep this short. But uh, to give you the full uh, title here, it is things to keep in mind as we try to win others to Christ. You see, that's that's the main purpose. Amen. We we need to share people share the 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 faith that we have with others, and uh, we uh, cannot be shy about this or or uh, pretend that it's not a need. But 
we, we need more people at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Could we say amen to that? Yes, Lord. Uh, we need to see some more uh, souls. And many times we've gone through this. If we could just get every adult here to get one person before Christmas. You know what? We, we would have the highest attendance our church has ever had. Because some of you would make a mistake and get two or three. I, I, it just happens when you, when you really get serious about seeking the Lord and, and these things. And so what I would like for us to do is just to walk through some of these things. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And of course, this is the passage where Jesus promised to build his church. He said that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And of course, he began to then tell them that price of building that church was the cross. And Peter got upset and said, Lord, that be far from thee. And Peter, Jesus rebuked Peter. And then he sums up everything that he's saying in verse 24 through the end of the chapter. We won't read all of that, but then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, how many stories have been written over the years of someone selling their soul to the devil and all of these things? Daniel Webster and the devil goes all the way back. He was... Uh, one of the first great American lawyers. And, and people began to make up stories about Mr. Webster, that he was such a good lawyer that he could win a case with the devil. Not in this life, my friend. Uh, not in any life. We, If we are going to serve Christ, we got to get rid of ourselves. But it's worse than any horror movie Hollywood ever started because no matter how many times you get rid of self, who's looking at you in the mirror the next morning? Self is still there, isn't it? And, and Jesus is rebuking Peter here. And, and he tells others, the disciples, as Jesus was uh, giving uh, some of his teaching, they said, are there then few that be saved? Uh, can't everyone be saved? And Jesus said to strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Now, this is a struggle. How many of you can remember the struggle that it took to get saved? What you went through. Now, as we try to witness to other people, sometimes, well, don't you see it? 
Isn't it that simple just to get saved? Well, uh, what I'm challenging you tonight is to remember the struggle that you went through. Uh, and to remember the struggle that every soul must go through in order to get past themselves and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are people who are willing to sell their souls. Fortunately, many of them end up in prison. Uh, but they, they have sold their soul for uh, bribery and, and all of this. Uh, how many are following what's going on in New York? Does it, does it surprise you that we've lost two attorney generals, New York City and New York State, uh, because of corruption and misdemeanors and miscarriage of office. And uh, how, how many of you are shocked by, by that news? Not high. I mean, this is the state in which we... Why will a man or someone who seeks political office, why will they do these things? Because they've sold their souls. They really have. And what, what we must remember is there is a struggle, there is a battle for souls going on. And what greater profit can you have? What greater return can you get for your soul than eternal life? Amen? What If you are going to, and everyone has to, I mean, you look at this passage here. He that's going to save his life will lose it. And he that's going to lose his life is the one that's going to save it. And uh, oftentimes I am remembered, uh, I, I am reminded of the plans that I had for my life when I was a young man. And I'm so glad at this point. And I think I'm old enough and far enough down the road to know uh, how things are, are, are shaping up and how they would have shaped up if I had done things my way. I'll tell you what, I'm so glad I surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there is nothing that I haven't given to Christ that He has not blessed. You give your life to Christ. But sometimes it's a struggle to let go, isn't it? And we need to remind ourselves of that struggle. We need to remind ourselves of the strife in our own lives. And as we are witnessing to others, we need to be reminded of what's going on in their souls. And pray patiently and carefully and repeatedly. You say, when do you give up trying to give the gospel to someone? When they die. If they don't take it this time, you offer it again. Amen? Uh, and, and we need to be in the Lord's business. And we need to be praying about that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, if you would. Back a few chapters there. We were in Matthew 16. We're going back to Matthew chapter 11, the, ver- the end here. And, you know, the devil just loves to tempt us. He loves to get on our shoulder and say, you know, 
All this service for Christ really doesn't matter. All of this isn't... Well, let's read what it says here. Verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. What's it say there? How many of you could use a little more rest? You know, rest and joy, they kind of go hand... You, you, you actually can always use a little more of both, couldn't you? Uh uh, there, there's this thing called rest. How do I rest? How many of you have wasted hours and great effort trying to make some decision in your life? And you just go back and forth and forth and back. And I remember a young man called me up one time and he said... I just need to talk to you as my pastor. And I said, fine. And he said, I just, he said, I'm praying. I'm praying about marrying this young lady. And I wake up in the morning and I'm convinced that it's God's will. And I wake up the next morning and I'm convinced that it's not. And I'm just going back and forth and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, that's real easy. He said, what is it? I said, neither one of those are the voice of the Lord. God doesn't change his mind every day. God gives us direction through his word. How many times, and and I'm sitting here, I'm going, wow, what do I do about this? Do I do this or that? And then I remember this passage. What's it say? It says that if, if I will take... His yoke upon me, if I will learn about Jesus, I'll find rest into my souls. You know why? Because I'm going to know what to do. You know how I'm going to know what to do? Because I'm buckled into Jesus. That's what a yoke is. Uh, A yoke is... Uh, they make several kinds. There's one that's two huge pieces of wood and they come up uh, on the shoulders of the oxen there. And, and they're, they're built to harness all the force of those huge animals and, and to uh, bring that back to one plow or one trailer or whatever the, the, the load is. And Jesus says... Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. And and we went through this two weeks ago. How every issue, every problem you face in this life, if we just knew a little bit more about Jesus, we would have the answers we want. Through the knowledge of him. Amen? Can we remember that? Some, uh, I've been a little hesitant many times to just preach a whole series on soul winning because so much of the information out there is, uh, for lack of a better illustration, is like an old John Wayne movie. Okay, get them loaded up. And make sure you're fast on the draw. You can answer all their questions. And 
Boy, you can just, you're going to get them, you're going to shoot them with your gospel gun. I think somebody even wrote a song about the uh, uh, Christian cowboy and, and all of these things. I even knew a preacher that was a John Wayne imitator. Remember the first time I walked in, it was, I actually met him at Heartland. And walked in and go, wait a minute, he's been dead for five years. And, and there, I mean, you, from a distance, you could not tell the difference. He, and he used his physical resemblance as a platform to preach the gospel. And, and uh, apparently he was quite good. Uh, I, I never had the privilege of hearing him actually share his testimony and things, but we're not out there to be faster on the draw than our friends. We're not out there to do anything, but if we want to help others get the gospel, here's what we need. We need to learn more about Jesus. We need to remember who is pulling the yoke. You see, Jesus is doing the working and we get to do the walking. Amen? Isn't that true? Isn't that the way it works? I mean, I'm not helping Jesus pull the burden. Sometimes we like to think that we are. And if we want something that's going to hinder us getting the gospel out, that's what's going to do it. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. And it says, you're going to find rest unto your souls. So, as we witness, and I want you to pray. Uh, our, our invitation tonight, I'll do it right now, so some of you can start getting ready if you want to. Uh, is I, I want you to pray that God will give you one person to bring with you to church by Christmas. And we're not going to forget to pray about this. We, we need to be in my. We need to ask God for that. We need to seek Him. And as we do, guess what? You're going to meet with a lack of success. But would you remember the struggle that it took you to get saved? Amen? And, and would you think and, mem- and meditate on and pray about learning enough about Jesus that you would walk with Him in that yoke? That you would learn more about Jesus? That God would give you someone? Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Now, these here are arguably some of the most difficult words in all the Bible. No, 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 I'm sorry. Luke chapter 14. There we go. I'm sorry. Somehow I got the wrong passage there. Luke chapter 14. And verse 25, it says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren 
and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There is a cost to be counted, and that's what Jesus tells us in the next two stories that he gives here. And then verse 33 says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. We're talking about a, a struggle. And a, a struggle of getting saved, of, of walking through that narrow, um, the straight gate into that narrow way. We're talking about surrendering to take on that yoke that it binds us to Christ, that locks us in so that we cannot go our own way. And if you want another S word, we're talking here about sacrifice. You know, most of us truly want the best for those people we come in contact with. Amen? Wonder where we got that idea. Is anybody really wondering? Don't know? We, we get that idea from what God did for us now, don't we? Jesus died on the cross because that was the best thing that could happen for us. It did not enhance Jesus Christ. It did not add anything to God's goodness. He always has been, always is, always will be good. All goodness comes from Him. The, uh, what is truly classified, defined as love, finds its source in the person and presence of God. Can we say amen to that? And, and here... He says, we got to hate everybody. Some, some people would say, oh, that's easy to do. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You see, how do I know that I love the children of God? How do I know that I love other people I come in contact? First John chapter 5, when we love God and keep His commandments. You see, when I'm obedient to Christ, I am the greatest benefit and blessing to those people that should be in the inner circle of my care and my concern. Are, are we still together on that? I mean, this is a, a thought that is... Like I said, it is just a very, very difficult passage here. And yet, as I sacrifice, as I turn loose of things that I desperately want in other people's lives, guess what it does? It opens the door for them to do what they want. How many of you have had the privilege of helping a little child learn how to walk? That is so much fun. But every little child is different. 
remember we had one and only about probably eight and a half, not nine months old for sure. And he just stood, pulled himself up and stood up and looked like he took his first step. And we go, wow, look at this. And he sat down and wouldn't move again until he's 13 months. Just was not going to do it. No matter what you pick him up and make his feet go and do, uh, you do anything, he wasn't going to do it. I don't know if we scared him when, when made a big deal of that, that first little effort there. or But each child is different. We had one, I can't remember which one, I know it was one of the girls. Boy, she just got up and started walking like nobody's business. And, and, and I don't even think we tried to teach her how to walk. You know, the first one you really do, after that you kind of slow down a little bit. It's kind of like talking, the same thing happens. Oh, I can't wait till they talk. And after the first one, it's, well, we can... We'll just take a break here. You don't have to hurry along. And those are the ones that really go fast now, aren't they? You know what? Because every little child has to know that they're doing what they're doing. You see, it's it's just something God built into them. You see, sometimes parents are so controlling that they never allow their child to make choices. And we have some soul winners out there, people who claim to be soul winners, that are so smothering that the person isn't able to go through the struggles that need to be gone through. The, probably the best illustration was how many of you have ever seen uh, the pictures of a moth or a butterfly actually coming out of its cocoon? And uh, there's an incredible amount of struggle. I mean, it looks like that little caterpillar as he's, or she is emerging from that cocoon. It just looks like they're dying. And one well-meaning little boy went along and he saw that process and he just got out his little pocket knife and opened the cocoon and the butterfly fell to the ground. What I do? What I do? He said, you don't understand. It is that extreme exertion that actually forces the body fluids from the little uh, worm that's in there that I can call it whatever you want but as those wings emerge what actually makes the wings wings is that pressure forcing the body fluids out of the main body into the wings that expands them you see God built that struggle in to make the butterfly what it ought to be and that's what this passage is really talking about And you know, that struggle will never be over. Not as long as you live. Because the old nature is still there. You know, as we are trying to give the gospel to people, 
sometimes we have to be careful. I've heard stories. uh, uh, I don't know how many different preachers claim to have led Elvis Presley to the Lord at one time or another. Uh, I could give you names of two or three. Uh, uh, one of them claimed to do it on the elevator as they were going up. Uh, they were, he was standing in the elevator, and guess who walks in? Elvis Presley. And he said, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Now, if you stop and really think about this, if you were Elvis Presley and all of a sudden this complete stranger comes, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? All you need to do is pray. What would you do? I wouldn't do anything this weirdo says. So I'd get out of the elevator and... And not have him attack me or something. I mean, isn't that the way it works? We have to be careful we do not trivialize the gospel. Or minimize the struggle that has to go on. We have discipleship. You know what discipleship is? It is a manual for the struggle. There's no way you're going to get everything that you need to get in 12 simple lessons. I hate that number. We've got to fix that sometime. Add two or three just to make sure it's not a 12-step program because that's not what it is, all right? Uh, What it is is a review of Bible doctrine. But how many of you have been through the discipleship? When do you really learn the lessons? As you live them, don't you? As the struggle comes, as you have to let go of certain things that you've been holding on to, as you have to allow God to generate enough animosity in your soul to rid and to put those things down so that you may fully embrace Christ. You see, as we try to tell people about Jesus... Let's keep in mind the struggle that a soul has to go through to leave the broad way. To pass the wrong way out of the wide gate and the right way through the straight gate and begin to walk that narrow way. The surrender that it takes to be still as that yoke is laid across your shoulders. And the other part, the the harness is then attached. And all of a sudden, you're not going anywhere unless your yoke partner is going with you. And by the way, there is usually some kind of implement attached to the yoke. Whether it be the old Conestoga wagons or a plow or... Uh, some kind of cart or, or drag so that you can move the heavy burdens. That's what the yoke is for. And then the sacrifice. As I learn to give up everything that I hold dear, to get rid of it, so that Jesus can be my all in all. These are some things that we need to remember as your pastor, 
as individuals in the church. But I want us to look at a couple other passages before we're done. Turn with me to John chapter 8, if you would. John chapter 8. And John's record of the life of Christ does so well at bringing out these incredible stories that are here. And let's just look at verse 31, if you would. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, and when the capital J-E-W is there in your Bible, remember this is the the Pharisees, the scribes, uh, and uh, possibly even some of the Sadducees, we do not know, but all of those were included in this group called the Jews in the Bible. And, and says, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Now, isn't that an amazing statement while Roman soldiers were walking down the very same street? The Jewish people were not free. They were slaves of the Roman Empire at this time. And and yet, uh, they had forgotten about being slaves in Egypt and in Babylon and other places. But Jesus answered them, verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the Son therefore make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have experienced at least some of that freedom that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, freedom from guilt and freedom from confusion and freedom from uh, having to settle scores and all of these things. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And let's just look at two verses here, verses 10 and 11. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. If you'll remember, John 14, 15, 16, 17 are on the way to Gethsemane. And he says in verse 10 of John chapter 15, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I'll tell you, there is no greater joy than knowing and understanding God's love. There just isn't. There can't be. How do you know God's love? When I keep His commandments. Amen? This is what Jesus has said. This is the key to understanding Luke chapter 14, where Jesus tells us that we must hate our father and mother and brethren and sisters and children and wife and all of these things. It is understanding that my surrender of everything that I have under my influence to His, and I concentrate, Jesus said, 
You follow my commandments, you'll be my disciples indeed. If you know the Son, the Son shall make you free. See, there is more freedom in being Jesus' servant than in anything else you can be involved in. There is more joy in understanding just a little bit. We will never in this life truly understand how much God loves us. But I'll tell you, the little bits that I have found are the source of the greatest joy in this life. Could we say amen to that? Do you, do you think it would, we would be more effective in our sharing the gospel with other people if we remembered the true freedom that Jesus gave us? Do you think that might help us when we're scared to talk to somebody or to pass out a gospel track? I'll, I'll tell you what, it'll overcome that fear. It, it will help you if we understand about God's love. And let's turn just a page over in, in, in most of our Bibles to John chapter 16 and verse 24. Again, Jesus is moving forward here on the way to Gethsemane. And he says, Hitherto, excuse me, hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. How many of you know the joy of answered prayer? That you've prayed for something. And God, would it help you share the gospel with someone else if we kept the joy of answered prayer foremost in our thoughts and in our hearts as we were sharing the gospel with someone? How many of you can think right now of a specific prayer that you prayed that God answered in your life? Doesn't, doesn't that just get your joy meter kicking? A little bit? If it doesn't, you got to get it fixed. Amen? It's done busted. And I know that's not good English, but it better describes the situation, does it not? And we have joy in knowing God's love, joy in answering prayer. And John, the beloved disciple in 3 John verse 4 said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. If you want to have the greatest joy that you can experience in the Christian life, Bring somebody to church. Watch them get saved. Watch them walk down the aisle and get baptized and become a member. And start serving. I'll tell you what, John said there's no greater joy. And I'll tell you my little experience in this. I'm agreeing with the Apostle John. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 126, verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, that is a promise in God's Word that if we will put forth effort, God will Allow us to see a harvest. 
You want joy? You, you want... We, we have to remember that the harvest doesn't come the day after you plant the seed. Amen? You, you gotta put it in the ground and you gotta watch it and you gotta weed it and you gotta water it and you gotta wait. Proverbs 11, the wisest man, humanly speaking, that ever lived was Solomon and he said in Proverbs 11 verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is Wise, And this is the verse where this uh, term, soul winner, comes from. Now, most of us like to think of ourselves, uh, if we can borrow the words of Yogi Bear, smarter than the average bear, right? You, you can be honest. Most of us like to think of ourselves at least average or a little above in our intellect and and, of course, if you're just a little bit observant as you walk the streets of our wonderful city and ride the subways, you can find ample proof that you are a little above average of some of the people that you will meet. Amen? And if you ever had a chance to wonder about God having a sense of humor, just open your eyes and look around. Don't look too close in the mirror. You might find something there, too. But our our Lord is a good God, is He not? And He has given us a life that He wants to be full of wisdom and rejoicing. But there's some work that has to be involved there. Well, how do I do that work? Well... It's not John Wayne. It's not a shoot him down with your, uh, the sword of the Spirit. Read what the sword of the Spirit is for. The sword of the Spirit is to teach you how to pray. That is the battle of the Christian soldier. But we need to keep some things in mind. We need to understand that God has given us a duty to win souls. Every one of us here went through a struggle. To get saved. Then we had to surrender to the service, to the yoke of Jesus Christ. And then we had to go through. And I'll tell you what, I, I remember... Uh, so so vividly, the, I had the desire of, of uh, building my own little uh, hot rod kind of thing out of a bunch of parts. And then I started finding out how much it cost and how much time it took. And, and I realized I'm going to have to make a choice. I was either going to build a car or go to Bible college. I wasn't going to do both. And I remember, oh, Lord, I'm just giving so much. I'm going to stop. I'm I'm just going to give my plans. That's all they were. They wouldn't have worked anyway. Now that I know enough about mechanics, if I'd have been able to do what I wanted to do, it wouldn't have worked. But that's most of our plans and our hopes. But I'll tell you, when you surrender them to Jesus... 
He lets you do all kinds of things in his service. Amen? And let's just bow our heads. Tonight, I'm just going to simply ask the question. Now, my hand is raised. I want you to understand I'm praying. How many would say, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm going to start praying that God will give me one soul to bring to church before Christmas of this year. Would you pray with me? Would you pray together? Would you just slip up a hand and hold it for just a moment to the Lord? I I want to do that. I will join that effort. Thank you. You may put them down. We can't ask that, that question without offering an opportunity for those that may be with us tonight that aren't saved. Would there be one that'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure about my own salvation, let alone bringing anybody else to the Lord. Would you pray for me about my soul? Would you just slip up a hand while no one's looking around? Pray for me, Preacher. Okay, I do see that hand and I'm praying. Anyone else? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. And Lord, you saw the hands that were raised. Lord, this is no menial undertaking. Only you, through your power, can change lives. And so, Lord, we come to you and we commit ourselves and we ask that you would help us to remember the struggle and the sacrifice, the surrender that it took for us to get where we are and It's going to take more of that to get to where you want us to be. But Lord, never let us forget the freedom and the joy and the rejoicing and the wisdom in being obedient to your word. We ask, Lord, that you would take those upraised hands. And Lord, that you would grant our request. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And we'll give you an opportunity as the piano continues to play. If you'd just like to.